well, looking around tonight, uh, seeing uh, everybody who's here and maybe the lack thereof, starting to question, did, did I say something wrong this morning? No. I'm sure we got some people doing other things that, uh, you know, surely keeping the Lord first and whatnot, but I, uh, I was, it was five minutes till and I thought, well, where in the world is everybody? And uh, uh, we used to joke about that in, in the South. You know, you were a member of the, the Church of Christ if uh, you showed up five minutes beforehand and you left, left 30 minutes after. So, but uh, that has not been the case here. Usually pre- people have been pretty prompt in this congregation. And so I, I thought, well, you know, it's probably going to be a lower night, but that's okay. Maybe they said, you know what? This morning's sermon was only part one, and I don't want to hear part two. No. No, well, we're, we're going to do it anyway. So for you guys that are still here, it is God's Word. Try to have a good attitude. I'm just kidding with you guys. Um, verse 10 of 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to go through 10 through 17 in the chapter. Picking up where we left off this morning and thinking about uh, some of the things uh, from this morning. There are... Oh, it talked about that uh, there were going to be uh, some perilous times, some grievous times, some hard times coming up, and that there were going to be all sorts of men uh, that were going to be uh, trying to lead people astray, and that the church was to avoid these type of people. And there was all sorts of things that we mentioned, and just to name a few, you know, there were uh, people who were uh, lovers of money, and there were lovers of selves, and there's a, there's a number of things that are mentioned, but people uh, that are really paying more attention to uh, selfish and sinful things and uh, not caring thing, uh, anything really about the Word of God. And so, continuing on in the verse, uh, verse 10, it says, But thou, now this is talking to Timothy now, it says, But thou didst follow my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, long suffering, love, patience. Let's, let's stop right there. So it says, But thou didst follow my teaching. You know, I, uh, I have had a couple of people that uh, throughout, throughout my time as a youth minister and a preacher, that as I, I taught, there were just a couple of them that over the years that have really latched on to the teaching and have gone on and done similar things. And uh, that, that's always nice when you see people like that. Keep encouraged. And, you know, the, that's what Paul kind of did for Timothy. You know, Paul taught him. And then Timothy, you know, he latched on to it. And, of course, you know, we, we see uh, two epistles written to him uh, for encouragement as a young preacher. He says, but thou didst follow my teaching. You know, I... It is not always that way, is it, guys? It's it's not. It is it is not always that way. Uh, you know, as a teacher or uh, you know Bible class teacher, if you've ever taught publicly, like preaching, uh, you know that you're going to say things, and sometimes you're going to make mistakes. You're going to misspeak. You're going to say things that that you didn't really mean to say, and sometimes you'll. You'll catch it and you'll cover it up and you'll you'll make up for it. But uh, then other times you don't catch it and someone will come up to you afterward and say something and 
I remember uh, quoting a passage wrong one time. I left out a word and it really altered uh, the uh, way that that verse uh, was read. And I had someone come up to me afterward and tell me uh, about that. But, you know, uh, a lot of times, and I don't know if this is a trend or not, I'm not really sure, but a lot of times uh, there are people who just don't really hear what is being taught. That happens in the church and out of the church, but quite frankly, it happens in the church a lot more than I would like to admit. I, I can tell you story after story after story of congregations who hired uh, preachers and preachers that I knew knew very well, that I knew would preach the truth, and and uh, they go to this congregation. The congregation says, "Hey, we want to hear the truth." And then they start preaching it, and then the next thing you know, they said, hey, we don't want to hear that much truth. You know, we, we, we like it, but, you know, let's, can, we, can we talk more about baptism or something like that so that you're not offending anybody? Now, see, that's what happens a lot of times. A lot of times. And now Timothy, though, with Paul, he followed his teaching. Now, that is the way that we need to be, brethren. We need to follow... Uh, the teaching that we find in scriptures. And if somebody teaches something, no matter how much we like or even dislike the person teaching it, as long as it is right and good, we need to follow it. And so that is what Timothy did. Says, but thou didst follow my teaching. That's not the only thing he followed. What else did he follow? Followed his conduct. The way he lived. He followed Paul in the way that he lived. In his conduct. Now, uh, going back to this idea of, of preachers, you know, there are preachers out there that you don't want to follow their conduct. Now, they get in the pulpit and they say great things and they have some of the best lessons, but outside the pulpit, you might as well not follow anything they do. We need to have that kind of a good example. And Timothy had that kind of a good example in Paul. You know, uh, have you had one of those people? One of those people that you can, you can look to? I, I've, got, I've got a couple myself that, that I, I look to and I go, Well, you know, uh, these, these men that have gone on before me, they hold themselves in a certain way and that's exactly what I need to do. You know, that, that's, that's what I, I'm looking toward. Well, Paul, he held himself in such a way that it could be emulated. Now, we know, uh, 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 1, that, that what, did, what did Paul say? You know, uh, follow me, you know, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So, you, you can imitate me as I imitate Christ. And, and that's the perfect example, brethren. You know, and that's the way we should look at anybody. We should follow a person only so much as they follow the Lord. You know, we, uh, growing up, I remember thinking something along these lines, and forgive me, this is a wrong thought. But I remember thinking, well, you know what, I'm better than so-and-so. You ever thought that way? Well, I must be doing okay because, you know, so-and-so is a Christian, and I'm doing way better than they are. You know what? Whether that's true or not, 
doesn't matter. Because the only thing that matters is following the Lord. Are, are we following the Lord and doing what He would have us to do? You know, because when you have that mindset of, of uh, well, I'm doing better than so-and-so or, you know, whatever, that, that idea will lead you to sin. Because all you're doing is saying, you know, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. You know, here, here recently, I've, uh, I've been trying to, to uh, get in better shape. And a tr- big part of that's eating right, you know. And so uh, I've, I've had this basic concept of, you know, before, I was not eating right at all. And so you don't want to jump right into it and cut everything out, obviously, because then you'll just be starving for what those things that you're missing. So I decided, hey, I'm going to eat right 75% of the time. That's, that's a lot better than what I was doing. So 75% of the time, I'm going to do, do what I need to do as far as my diet's concerned. And as time progresses, maybe I'll, I'll up that. But I, I just kind of basically think about in those regards. But you know, when it comes to spiritual things, we can't really do that, right? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm good 75% of the time. Uh, I'm, maybe, maybe it's better than that. Uh, I'm good 80% of the time. What about that other 20%? Now see, we need to follow the Lord. And we need to follow people that will take us to the Lord. That's what we need to do. We need to imitate those who are imitating Christ. So he says, they follow in, in, in his teaching, in his conduct, and then third, in his, in his purpose. You know, what was his purpose in life? His purpose was to serve the Lord. You think about Paul in particular. And uh, this is a man who, of course, we, we see in the latter chapters of Acts, uh, talking about himself and saying, you know, I've lived in good conscience all the days of my life. Even when he persecuted the church, he thought he was doing the right thing. It wasn't until he, uh, it was revealed to him through the Lord Jesus Christ that he changed those things and started following Christ. But all throughout time, what was he doing? He was doing what he thought was right. You know, not everybody can say that, right? But Paul could say that. Paul, uh, his purpose was to follow the Lord and to teach others. And Timothy was following in line just like that. So he followed him in his teaching, his conduct, his purpose, uh, but also his faith. His faith. Now, that, that is a, a, a big word there. You know, believing uh, in, in God is one thing, but, but your overall general faith, having faith that the Lord is going to provide, having faith that, that you know, you, you're doing what the Lord says to do, and that is exactly what you need to do. All those things, brethren, having faith is a big thing. And so, of course, he's following in faith. He's following in what? Long-suffering. You know, he's, he's suffering long. And what that means, of course, is that, that he, is, uh, not, he doesn't have a short fuse. But he, he puts up with people to the point that he, he can, you know, help them. You know, he's long-suffering. And then love and patience. Now, the word here for love, I thought this was interesting because... 
uh, previously when, when love was mentioned, it was phileo. But this one is, is actually agape, which is you know, where we get the word charity. You know, where, 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 when we look at the King James Version, we, we translate it charity. Because agape, love, leads to benevolence. It leads to taking care of others. It's a, it's a selfless kind of love. And so that, that's what we see here. Um, it, the love that's being demonstrated is a selfless kind of love. And so he is, he is loving in the way that, that, um, that Paul loved. And he has patience. Now, when I was looking this up and studying this, the word patience uh, literally means to stay under. You know, stay under. Now, when, when you're, you're thinking about this, what, what does that mean? What does it mean to stay under or and in, in actually it has this kind of connotation of either under or behind and uh so so what does that mean you know how does that how does that translate well it basically ends up being a cheerful endurance you know I, i'm, I'm going to be sticking with it you know how we, we say sometimes having stick to right oh that's what this is being patient is having a cheerful Endurance, persecutions. You know, uh, when we think about persecutions, we can think about a lot of different things. But we know Paul was persecuted, and Timothy was persecuted also. He followed him in persecutions, and he followed him also in what? In suffering. You know. You think of all the people who suffered throughout the time of the scriptures. And, you know, one person that really jumps out in my mind is Job. You know, Job suffered. And he, he, he suffered uh, so much. He lost so much. And, and for what? You know, for, for Satan to get his kicks. But he suffered... And he came out on the other side, a good and whole man. So he says, Thou, thou didst follow me in my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, long suffering, love, patience, persecutions, sufferings. What things befell me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra? What persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. So you think back to all these, these things. What things befell me at Antioch? Well, what happened at Antioch? Well, there were some verbal persecutions there. People trying to, trying to teach out against the teaching of the Bible, the teaching the apostles were given at the time. So there, were, there was verbal persecution. What about Iconium? Well, that's when things began to escalate. Now, there was physical persecution. In fact, they were taking Christians and stoning them. And then what happened at Lystra? Well, Lystra is where we remember that Paul was stoned and he was dragged out of the city and he was presumed dead. So all these things Paul suffered. All those persecutions he endured. And he says, yet and out of all uh, of them all, the Lord delivered me. Now, you know, when we look at the word delivered, you know, in the Bible, it, it carries us uh, connota different connotations at different times. But 
the simple idea here is he rescued Paul. You know, he is, he is rescuing him. And so even though he, Paul had, had endured all those things, he still rescued him in the end. Verse 12, Yea, and all that would live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. You know, I, I want to spend just a minute talking about this. Because I hear brethren sometimes saying, you know, oh, well, you know, um, man, I'm, I'm glad I'm, I'm not persecuted. Well, maybe you're in this, a physical sense. But the passage doesn't say, yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus might suffer persecution. No. It is, shall suffer persecution. And someone might say, well, you know, context, really, look at the context. What is the context talking about? Well, the context was talking about Paul and the persecutions that he suffered. But guess what? He's also reminiscing that Timothy also was suffering persecution. And then he says what? Yea, and some that live godly in Christ Jesus shall... Is that what it said? Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. It is not an if. It is not a maybe. It's not a might. And it is not a partial thing. It is if you are living godly in Christ Jesus, this is what's going to happen. Now, is that necessarily going to be a physical thing? No. It's not necessarily going to be physical persecution. You may just get made fun of, which, you know, I, I find, you know, not that difficult at all, you know. But it's persecution, right? It's persecution. If you are going to live godly in Christ Jesus, you're going to be persecuted in some form or fashion. When we think about what has gone on in the past concerning persecution? You know, people literally beaten, stoned, even crucified because of their religious beliefs. Being made fun of is a very small thing, brethren. You know, there's, there's different things that go on as far as persecution is concerned. And if the very... Thing that, that is bothering us is, is verbal persecution. That is the least of our worries, brethren. You know, for the past several years, this country has uh, taken quite a turn concerning Christianity. I mean, if you just look at the past 10 years, it is amazing to see the turn of, in, in the events here. So what I've seen in the past 10 years or so is a very easy way to flip-flop and turn against Christians and to really have all sorts of persecutions against Christians today. Now, how do we see that? Now, let me, let me just mention one. You remember a few years ago that uh, they were talking about uh, homosexuality and that if a person were to get up and preach against homosexuality, remember what they called that? Hate speech. Hate speech. Right? 
Well, if I'm just preaching from the Bible, I'm just saying what it says. That's, that's not hate speech. It's just a fact of the matter. Now, there could be people getting up and preaching and, and doing things in a hateful way. I, I don't defend that. But people are calling that hate speech, brethren. You know, there's a, there's a day every year, and I've, I've uh, been with congregations that they were, they were very much against uh, things like this. But um, talking about politics... Talking about politics from the pulpit. And someone say, well, you can't do that. Well, why can't you do that? Oh, uh, well, because you lose your tax-exempt status if that, if that happens. Oh, a tax-exempt status. Is that what we're concerned about? We're concerned about the tax-exempt status? You know, I guess if they were to take that away, then the Lord would provide. I'm, I'm going to be, you know, upfront about that. But you realize that this whole thing about losing a tax-exempt status is not applicable to churches anyway? It's to nonprofit organizations outside of religious groups. That's what it was meant for. It wasn't meant for churches. They've tried to plot that way. That's what they're trying to do. Why are they trying to do that? So that people who are not informed that might go and listen to a preacher... And that preacher might use the Bible to show why a certain individual or a certain you know, group or a certain thought was not good. They won't want that. Oh, because there are a lot of liberal things going on today. And so don't, don't teach against that. So what, what, what's the next thing you do? Shut them down. You know, scare scare people. Don't let them preach on those subjects. Because, you know what? It's not good. You know, there's a lot of things that, that the government has tried to do to silence churches. But you know what, brethren? Our mindset should be that, that we see in Acts chapter 5. And that is that we should obey God rather than men. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. You know, if, if we are not being persecuted, we really need to ask ourselves, why not? Well, why not? Maybe it is that we're not living our life to the fullest as a Christian. You know, why not? Verse 13. But evil men and impostors shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Now, I'll tell you, uh, of this second half of the chapter, this word impostors was the most interesting to me. Uh, literally, it, it, it's properly here, wizards. Yeah. Wizards, uh, a magician, uh, a seducer, an imposter. What, what does this mean? But evil men and imposters. You know what? What do magicians do? Now it's not wrong to go and see a magician necessarily. You know, uh, but what what do ma- magicians do? 
Oh, they trick you. They do a, a magic trick. That's a, it's not magic. It's a trick. Right? Now, what they do is they do something that you cannot explain necessarily. And I remember... Uh, uh, I remember, like, I'm not going to ruin it for you guys, but I remember at one point going, man, these magic, they're really interesting. And then I, I decided I want to I learn a couple. And so I, I started to figure out a couple of things. And then as soon as I figured it out, I went, the magic is gone. You know, <laughs> this is not as interesting as I thought it was. It's pretty, it was pretty neat when I had no idea how to explain it. And then once I tried figuring it out, and I'll, I'll tell you, the one is I, I tried figuring out how those people could rip up a newspaper and put it back together. And then when I figured it out, I went, that's kind of easy. I can't believe that I ever was tricked by that. But it, it was one of those things. They, they trick you. They trick you. Well, that's what an imposter does. An imposter tricks you. But evil men and imposters shall wax Worse and worse. This literally means either to increase in more evil or to, uh, to increase in more aggravation. Evil men and imposters shall wax worse and worse, deceiving... And what? Being deceived. They're going to deceive others. They're going to, they're going to trick others. But you know what? They're going to get tricked too. Verse 14. But abide thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. So Timothy is told, you need to abide in the things that you've been taught. And remember who your teachers were. Now, who were Timothy's teachers? When you think about it, in 2 Timothy 1 and verse 5, we know that his mother taught him. And then also, in uh, 2 Timothy 1 and verse 13, we, we see that Paul taught him. And so he's saying, look, just abide in those things that you were taught growing up from both your mother and from me. Think about those things. Verse 15. And that from a babe thou hast known the sacred writings which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. So he, he used to remember all the scriptures that he was taught growing up. For what purpose? Because it is able to make thee wise unto salvation. You want to be wise and know how to be saved and to save others? It is only through the word of God. And, I, and just after that, it says, able to make thee wise unto, unto salvation through faith. Through faith, brethren. It's just like in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8, you know, uh, for by grace are ye saved. How? Through faith. The same thought process. Go back to Romans chapter 10 and verse 17 and what do we see? So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You know, if we're going to be saved, it's only through the Word of God. There's no other way around it, brethren. It is only through the Word of God, and this verse is perfect to explain that. 
verse 16, every scripture inspired of God is also profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for instruction, which is in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, furnished completely unto every good work. Every scripture inspired God. Uh, ever since I was taught this, I've loved the word. This is inspired of God is one word in the Greek. Theopneutos. You know what that means? It means God breathed. Can you, can you think of another time that God breathed and something happened? God breathed back in Genesis. And what happened? He gave life to man. And then what happens in the New Testament? God breathes. And he gives eternal life to man. Isn't that beautiful? When God breathes, something great happens. When God breathes, life happens. Every scripture God breathed is profitable for teaching. That's doctrine. For reproof. What's reproof? You know, it's evidence. You know, making sure that you have proof. It's evidence here. For reproof. For correction. It, you know, I, and this word's kind of funny when you think about it. For correction. Correction means to straighten up again. You know, uh, I, I had a, a couple of phrases like this growing up. And uh, maybe maybe you had a line similar to this, but did you ever have anybody tell you straighten up and fly right? Yeah, I got that a few times, maybe more than a few. But uh, the correction means to straighten up again. You know, I, I think about those uh, teachers, you know, that you see and. In those old movies where they, they pound on the desk and tell that student to sit up straight. You know, and that's, that's what it is. It's correction. To straighten up again. For correction, for instruction, which is in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete. That's, that's the word perfect, brethren. It's complete. It means complete. Man of God may be complete, furnished. Now, you may have the King James Version or New King James, and you're going to have something like throughly there. But it's furnished completely unto every good work. You know, the Word of God is so perfect that if we need to know anything in order to live a Christian life, it's there. Now, that's what I, I love about studying the scriptures and, and looking at, at uh, other religious groups out there. You know, there are religious groups, you know, such as, you know, the Mormons who have continuing revelation. And they're, they're being taught continually what they need to do. And it, and it changes all the time of, of what they need to do. And, and it changes really based on society. You know, uh, how, how, how we know that? You know, because at one time, they were able to have multiple wives, and all of a sudden, that was looked down upon, and guess what? Oh, revelation from God. No longer can we have multiple wives. 
You know that. But when you are a Christian, you don't have to worry about continuing revelation and what might change from year to year. Because it is already perfect. It is already complete. And it can furnish us unto every good work. You want to live as a Christian? You want to be complete? Follow the Word of God. And it will get you far. If there's someone here tonight who is in need to respond to the invitation... Maybe you've not yet become a Christian. You'd like to do that tonight. Maybe you need to repent of something. Whatever the case, if you need to respond tonight, please come as we stand as we sing.